I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Hello, Quinn. Thank you for coming on the BU Find Happy podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. And we're going to talk all things meditation, yeah? Great. I'm excited. I feel like it's a perfect time for people to, I don't know, wake up in a way of slowing down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is the paradox of meditation. And if we want to speed up, we have to slow down. Absolutely. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it is. It really is a paradox in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> interesting. So let, let's just kind of dive in. But before we do that, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and, and how you kind of got into all things meditation? Sure. Well, I've always been a spiritual seeker in my life. Uh, even as a young child, I had an awareness about something bigger and greater in the world that I wanted to be a part of. The way I got into meditation, though, was kind of indirectly. I had a big corporate career and uh, was fairly successful, and, and I really loved my job, but I kind of felt pushed away from that. And around that time, uh, a teacher showed up, and that's generally what happens, and it became clear that the path that I was on, even though it had brought me a lot of success and a fair degree of happiness, wasn't fulfilling anymore. And so I started delving into a lot of different types of spirituality, and I really began to study. But I think my meditation practice really started taking hold about 25 years ago when I was going through what some might call a dark night of the soul. And these things and big shifts happen in our life when things are actually pretty much okay because we're ready to handle it. And so that caused me to really look even deeper into so many different types of meditation, whether it was you know, guided, musical, silent, concentration, focused meditation. I looked at uh, transcendental meditation once upon a time, all sorts of things. And I became a real student of that. And what I discovered in that is that through a consistent meditation practice, it made me more intuitive. It gave me clarity so that I can make better decisions about my path in life and all sorts of things. And so now I have come after all these years and about five years of technological development, and I've created something called Intuition Daily, which the idea is it can be an add-on to whatever meditation practice you have, or if you don't have, it could be your own meditation practice, because I believe that what we need is how you started off, is talking about we need more balance in the world. And meditation in its simplest iteration is getting in balance. And how we do that is different for everybody. My meditation looks different than your meditation. So I'm trying to reach that 85% of people who try meditation and don't stick with it. I created this for people who want to meditate but can't get the hang of it. Oh, so as you're talking, I'm just scribbling notes here, right and left. Um, so, so one of the things that I think people 
first of all, I do feel like in the last year, two years, even maybe three years, I've personally seen people uh, become more familiar with the term and not feel like it's a religious association Mm -hmm. and um, start to kind of embrace the idea that you don't have to be a Buddhist monk sitting on a mountaintop uh, meditating for four hours kind of a thing. And so that is really hopeful to me and inspiring to me. But, but how do you kind of explain meditation to somebody who maybe still feels that it's a little bit woo woo? Um, how do you describe it? Well, can it be as simple as just sitting and then admiring a pine tree or something like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, when we're in balance, we don't really have a need to meditate. Sometimes I will do meditations even when I know I'm fully in balance because I want to do a deeper meditation. I want to visualize what's next. But for somebody who has never meditated before or somebody who's tried meditation and it didn't work for them, I say the simplest meditation is even if you sit in stillness for one minute, one minute, you don't have to close your eyes. When you feel that peace and you can practice that one minute a day, I was just speaking with a young woman yesterday saying everybody thinks meditation has to be hard. We have to debunk these myths about meditation. Let me give you an example. So you've probably heard of meditation apps like Headspace and 10% Happier and Simple Habit, I assume. Well, I have to be full disclosure. I'm actually a guided meditation teacher on Insight Timer. And I wanted to talk with you about that because I know you have some thoughts on guided meditations, too, and dependency. Right. But yes, yes, I have heard of the apps. (laughs) So when these apps came out and it really was a call to action for a lot of people, I wanted to try it. Let me see. And they love these the, the voice of the guided meditation. And I think they do a wonderful service. But what happens over time is I think people say, I've heard that before, and it comes a little passive. So your your meditation practice is really dependent upon somebody else rather than yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, also, a lot of these apps unfairly got a lot of blowback from uh, Buddhist communities and Hindu communities who were saying, you know, that's not meditation. You have to do it in a certain way. So what I'm saying is even a little bit more out of the box. What I'm saying is, look. If whatever puts you in balance and that becomes your meditation practice, that's good enough. It's a starting point. I like to say I teach intuitive kindergarten. I'm giving people training wheels to have a sense of themselves that they understand that all the guidance and answers comes from within you, that a teacher is merely a guide, but we really don't have the answers. And when they feel that aha moment for themselves, they feel their own power, they're more inclined to want to try and do more or explore other things. So I'm not saying that the way that I teach meditation is the only way, but it will resonate with some, whereas somebody else's way will resonate with another, and that's perfectly fine. I try and reach the people who would never go to a yoga studio, who would never go to a meditation class, that would never go into a New Age bookstore. And that is the majority, of that's a big target market. So go ahead. It, well, as you were talking, I was just thinking about um, the, the the styles of meditations that I lead on on Insight Time, which is really just two. One is just inspirational self exploration of thought. So it's just having a dialogue, kind of in a pod, in a solo podcast style way. Um, <laughs> one of them is that's that's gained a lot of traction on there is the power of why, and it's exploring your why. So it's not so much the um, 
it's not so much that type of meditation, but then the other style that I do is, uh, is for kids. And my son and I, every meditation that I've uploaded to Insight Timer as a, as a publisher there has been, um, a meditation that I actually walked my son through using, um, just the basic chime music that they have on the timing app. Mm -hmm. So, so it's kind of neat, um, and walking him through that. But what's, what's really special is that, um, when he was in his toughest time, um, dealing with kind of the loss of COVID, he actually said, mom, could you put on the the calming music? I'd like to just do a little meditation and process. (laughs) So, you know, he, he learned through my guidance, but then when it came time for him to need some silence and to do it on his own, he was absolutely able to, which I thought was really special and really kind of unique. Um, and, and on that note, uh, a, a lot of, I think a lot of kids, um, can benefit from starting a meditation, you know, at a very young age. I, th- I think that it can be a great resource to just kind of silence the mind and, and calm down. Right. Totally. Uh, you're absolutely right. Everything you're talking about, the the uniqueness of the meditations that you're creating for your students, that's channeled information that you're getting that's intuitively that you're bringing. So your meditation is automatically making giving you clarity to create things that are different, that resonates with the right people. Whoever shows up to your meditation are the people who are supposed to be there. That's the wow. right. Group. That's right? a really great thought. And you know, what's funny is one of them that we do is a peaceful walk. And, right. um, and, and my son sees totally different animals on the peaceful walk than I envision in my head. Mm-hmm. So even as I'm guiding him, he is having his own experience. Absolutely. I mean, the things that when my son was very young, I, I don't know how old you're, your son is when my son was four or five years old, the things that he had access to that we didn't as adults, because we were taught that we aren't really these spiritual beings. You know, we have this, this Western philosophy to push, to win, you know, the ends justify the means. And we're having to recreate that. Now that's not to say that there isn't some of that in Eastern philosophy too. There is. In fact, Different sects of Buddhism are very competitive with each other. It's kind of wild when you really, you know, drill down into the math of it and spend some time in these communities. It's like, you know, there's politics in in every type of religion and every type of philosophy. Really what it comes down to is it's good to be a part of a community, but still ultimately our individual work, mm. the work we have to do within. And when we come to to see the power that we have, then that's real you're on the path to enlightenment not that we ever get there but we live a life that's more peaceful that has more ease that's more joyful so i i think that um my experience is directly that meditation leads to ease (laughs) It, it just uh it it has a way of calming my central nervous system and um, helping me let go of negative thought processes and things like that and really just kind of get into a space of complete acceptance. And that's what it's about for me. So I, I love that you kind of touched on that. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing as a teacher that you and I, part of our job as meditation teachers to teach our, you know, people who come to us, we have to meet people where they're at. So a lot of times when people start and they'll say, well, I feel good, but I don't know why I feel good. And then they'll say, well, I feel good, so I don't need it now. 
and not understanding you don't have to wait for a crisis to come into your life to feel good all the time. And you see these things in hindsight. So we have to, and I, and I love the creativity of what you're teaching your students because it will keep them coming back, keep them in, interested, learning more in a different way of being in, in looking at things. But I do feel like that it's baby steps. And one of the things that I think is so important is that what if I, if, if I'm teaching a group of students and I say to you, what if at the end of this class that you feel not only like, hey, that felt really good and I don't know why I did it and I don't want to get from it. But what if I could teach you how to process some of the information from that? I, I feel like it's my job to teach people how to do what I do without needing me long term. That's the real that's that's how we spread you know, this, this message, if we, if we can turn more, if we can turn more people into meditation, more med, med, more people meditating into active meditators who then go and teach other people how to meditate, that's a transformational goal. And that is really what my goal is. And I think that it's, it's good to have, you know, um, these, not everybody's called to that. And so it's it's okay to just do your basic meditation. Any form of meditation is better than none. And so even if it's a moment of still, a one minute of stillness, and then you expand that to two minutes, to three minutes, to four minutes, to five minutes, whatever you do, as long as you're doing it on a regular basis, you're in alignment. And when we're in alignment, we're in balance. I love that. I've actually been um, considering changing up the podcast format um, for a little while and including some um, meditations from various different teachers just as kind of a, you know, as as part of the offerings of the podcast um, rather than having a traditional talk format every week, maybe doing every other week a guided meditation. So um, I I think because I think that. you know, that balance is important. And, um, you know, people tune into this podcast to listen to what others are saying, but how special would it be if they tuned in every other week to kind of tap into their own selves in a different way, in a stiller way? Um, You teach fun and unconventional meditation. Talk to me about that. What does that look like? Well, I say you can meditate anytime, anywhere. And I believe that because I do it myself. So the way that I teach And like I said, I've studied a lot of different types of meditations. I've gone on different retreats. I've I've done all these things. I think the thing is, is that when people talk about meditation being hard, you're probably doing the wrong type of meditation for you. It's not that it isn't meditation, but it might not be in alignment with you. So I really like a a, a form of attentive meditation. And this is where the intuition daily comes in. I say it's five steps. It takes minutes. You you don't have to invest any more time in it than a few minutes a day. And all you're going to do is the first step. If you go to Intuition Daily, the, the, the walkthrough is right there. It's a completely interactive site. You can actually do your meditative process on it. And the first step you're going to do is you're going to ask a question or set an intention. What's on your mind? The second Question is, I want you to amplify that question with what is the guidance you're seeking? What's the essence of your request? It's not just enough to say, I hate my job. I want a new job because, uh, you, you know, you could go, be going from the frying pan into the fire. So what are the reasons? 
Now, people usually are focused on three main areas, love, money, and well-being, and in that order. And so, in, and there's many, many subsets underneath those. It could be uh, relationships, friends, family, uh, romantic love. It could be about your work and career, financing, investing, uh, higher education, and then physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, uh, creativity or joy. When you have an intention, it usually goes into a lot of these areas. And the reason I want people to focus on that before their meditation is that so they can amplify their energetic signal to what they're calling in, one. And then two, to have clarity about what they're really wanting. Because you can get a job, but don't you really want to be joyful in that job? Don't you really want, you, you want the money, but what if you have the money and you have no joy in it? So we, we want you to really focus on the essence of your request. Then the third part is what I call the centering part. And centering could be that one minute of stillness I talked about. It could be 12 deep breaths in, deep breaths out. But ideally, if you can sit and do a five to 10 minute meditation, that would be ideal. And maybe you did that in the morning. You don't need to do that now. But once we do those core three, ask a question, seek the guidance, why you want, why you want what you want, and then you've centered yourself. Now, this is the part that's really unique is I created a deck of, I call it, they're not tarot cards. They're not Oracle cards. I call them meditation prompts and you randomly select a meditation prompt. And on this prompt are words, colors, numbers, and images. Now the world is full of words, colors, numbers, and images. And what happens is, is that a lot of mystics don't advertise this, but the way they come up with their soul languages is that, for instance, if you see a rose, what does a rose mean to you? Ooh, love. Okay. <laughs> isn't okay. that isn't that the general <laughs> it's eternity? Like for me, I see a rose that says grandmother to me because my grandmother loved roses. Okay, okay. Right? So if I give you a color, you know, say, what does blue mean to you? Mm, my son. Okay. So blue to me means the ocean, something Ooh, water. That too. Okay. So, and then a, a number, like what's your favorite number? 23. I don't know. 23. Okay. So a 23, you got a two and a three together. That's a five. So the colors are basic chakras. I'm not calling them chakras, but I'm teaching people how to tap into these seven main energy centers. We have energy centers all over our body. Of course, you know, but those are the seven when you're just teaching people these basic concepts. So that's based on the chakra system. The numbers are based on basic math and numerology. So when you say 23 and a five, a two is about diplomacy. It's about compromise. A three is about creativity. A five is about freedom and flexibility. So I created this workbook that's populated with these keyword rich words that are intended to get a reaction, emotional reaction. It's either going to cue you like, oh, that really fits for me, or it's going to trigger you like, I don't like that. When we have a trigger about something, that's our work. That's where we need to go. We have to eliminate all those things that don't necessarily align with us. How do we get that back into alignment? More meditation. We get, we meditate, we get clarity, 
and then we learn how to deal with it. I mean, sometimes you have to go see a therapist. And sometimes, you know, it's like with certain forms of anxiety and depression, that may require different types of professional help. For, but for the majority of us, we have it within ourselves to kind of train ourselves with these basic tools. Same thing. When I teach a group, I, have, I can have 25 plus people in the class. I can put one picture up and I'll say, everybody tell me this story. Tell me the dream around that picture. 25 different experiences of that picture. And then we have our individual energy and then we have our collective energy. It's really fun. It's really fun to do. And then when you get that energy connected, when especially everybody's meditated, they're in alignment, that whole becomes a whole bubble of energy of love. It's fun. I can I can kind of relate to that because in my art um, workshops that I teach, we uh, you know, we often will look at a piece of art and we'll talk about what emotions we feel from it. And um, it's interesting how color can affect that and um, abstractness can affect that and mm-hmm. um, all of those different things. It, it is it's interesting how uh, people can experience the world so differently. Right. Um, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, h- how can people deal with distractions as they come up during meditation? Because I can tell you as a as an advanced person um, in that world, I still can even find myself sure. distracted. But like, for example, if the dogs start clacking around, <laughs> um, it, I'm triggered. And so I'm instantly kind of distracted. And I think that, um, you know, people people have all sorts of different distractions, both just mental in their mind thoughts that are coming in as well as physical external distractions, their kids and cars and fire alarms and whatever might be going on. Mm-hmm. How, how do you encourage people to work through that? Well, I mean, it, I, and not to be silly here, but it's like we all have bad hair days, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you're just going to not, not every meditation is going to be as powerful as the other meditation, but it's still doing work for you that you can't necessarily feel. Now, as an active meditator, you know what it feels like to get into that, that just that little nice wave, that little bed of energy that you lie on, right? That like, oh, I could stay here a long, long time. I happen to be living in a home right now where I do have neighbors who love their pool and they have a big family and they've got a dog. So here's what I do because their dog sometimes I don't know how this works, but he seems to like to bark about the time that I'm doing a meditation. And what (laughs) I do is I check in and say, well, is that a happy bark or is that a bad bark? (laughs) And what the way I've been able to compartmentalize it is if that energy feels like it's joyful, like this is a happy family, they're just enjoying their space. They're enjoying their time versus an angry energy, it has a much different effect on my meditation time. And what I realize is that when it's a joyful energy, it kind of dissipates for me. But I, once again, I like to use a lot of uh, attentive active meditation techniques, and I consider that part of it. I believe that when we have these distractions that come in, now keep in mind, these are, for you and I, these are advanced techniques. But anybody who starts doing this over time can learn to do that for themselves. So I'm pretty good about drilling it down to uh, whether it's a joyful energy not, uh, or a, a, another type of energy. If it's, if it's a different type of energy, either I'll wait and do it later or I'll move to another place. But I don't attach to it. So I practice non-attachment within my meditation. 
And that's what I work at. really good non-attachment to thought non-attachment to external distractions things like that i love that it's not it's not always so easy uh for for i think at least for me and probably for others as well but i think that we have also created a world that is just full of distractions (laughs) i mean i feel like sometimes a gnat you know like i i've (laughs) i'm like working on a project and then get drunk away to another project and you know and doing that kind of unfocused bouncing and that's why it's more important for me than ever to have that time where I'm at least sitting down and practicing the art of focus, really. Right. Um, uh, I also find that having some t- tools can help. Like I don't have one at home yet. I probably should get one, but um, I've used the backjacks before at 1440 Multiversity. They have a bunch there um, and they're, they fold up so small and they're just an incredible tool for sitting comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a meditation cushion that I use, but I think the backjack is, is probably more comfortable for, for first time starters. What tools do you recommend people have? I think this is actually a, a sport, I'm using air quotes, that you don't really need a lot of tools. You got a comfortable chair, use that, start with that. The things that you can add on to it is once you find what works for you, then explore lots of stuff. You know, go to a class. But once again, I try to encourage people to say, You don't need to spend any money. Spirituality does not cost anything. It only requires an open mind and a willingness to try. And once you start and once you and and get some feeling around it, then go buy the back check. And by the way, you're right. I do think that's great. And (laughs) um, the back checks are great. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I sometimes will even do a meditation lying down because once I wake up, I'm not much of a napper. So it's okay if, if you don't think you'll fall asleep, you can lie down if that's most comfortable for you. Whatever makes it easiest for you, you just got to relax, release your belly, release your neck, and just feel into that energy. And even though you don't think you are, it's right there. It's just right there. And when we just have, it's it's almost like, you know, like when you've got a label on something, you can't quite get the edge, you know, of that label to mm-hmm. pull it off. That's what when you're starting a meditation and you're trying to find that energy and it's right below that label. And once you feel that just that little tickle of energy, you can pull that back and then you feel it all over your body. Now, that's not going to make sense to a lot of people, but that's why when people do get into meditation, they're in it for life. They... Because it's not, it becomes not that you have to do it. You want to do it. You look forward to doing it. Exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of even doing quite a few meditations in the hot tub. Uh, (laughs) Good for you. I wish I had a hot tub. I'd do that too. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I'll, um, you know, put, just put on a, a calming music just for part of the experience. And my husband's always like, why do you have your cell phone in the hot tub? <laughs> right. Like, I'm, medit- I'm going to meditate. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, well, yeah. But I think that anywhere that you 
you can find some respite, um, especially moms, even if it's in the bathroom for like four yes. minutes. You know? Well, I'm, I'm, I really do believe going back to your point about distraction is when I hear people and they make it about, you know, a certain politician or this or that, I'll say that's distraction. It, th this is one person. One person does not control your life. And how we change the world is by each of us doing our own work. So if all you do is you do your meditation and you put positive energy out in the world, that's that's enough. That's exactly what you're you're supposed to do. When we start giving excuses of like, well, this is happening and this is happening. No, no, no. All the more reason that you need that meditation and you need to share what you're learning with others because that positive energy in the world, we don't want to be contributing to the negativity. We want to overcome the negativity. So every person who meditates, who has a desire to meditate, even if it's once a week, although I think everybody should do at least a little bit a day, is you're putting positive energy out into the world. And that is so desperately needed. Turn the distraction off, turn the TV off, turn that off. And honestly, wherever you meditate, hot tub, if you got something out of it, if you feel, then it, it was exactly right for you. So what do you think if I put you on the spot and ask, would you be willing to do a couple minute guided meditation for the listening audience right now? Sure. Oh, I think they would. I think they would absolutely love that. I think that that would be really incredible. Um, I want to ask you one more question, though, before we get into that, because I'm just I'm just dying to know the answer. So you talk about on your website, no bullshit intuition. Uh, I said, you know, it says no bull intuition. Oh, whoops. <laughs> no, no bull intuition. Talk right. to me a little bit about that. What does that mean? Well, um, I haven't been doing it right now, but it was a game night that I created that I was doing a few years back, and I wanted to start doing it again in 2020. Um, and, and then, of course, COVID-19 hit. I'm like, well, it doesn't really work. What we would do is, myself and people that were helping me, is we would invite, get a, a pool of people together. Sometimes it was 15, sometimes it was 20, sometimes it was more. And what we would do is we were really trying to teach people how to not not do readings because that's not really we don't need to read each other but it's just an energy game that we created so that let's say somebody takes a meditation prompt and somebody takes a meditation prompt and so you know one of the things that happens a lot if you go to any type of meditation retreat is you tend to work in in couples and then you pull your energy together but what was happening is we would put two strangers together and for some reason it always worked that the two, the two right people were always paired to each other. Um, like the, the person who was the most assertive, the most aggressive got, a pair, got paired with the other person who was the most assertive and aggressive. And they would just have these energetic love connections. But what they were doing is that they were sharing their reading of the, the meditation prompt together. They would meditate together. They would uh, perform energy exercises together. And then they would share with each other intuitively what they were feeling for the other person, almost like if you were doing a dream workshop. If it were my dream, this is what I'm seeing for you. And it created these incredible connections. So the whole idea was cut the crap, play the game. A perfect stranger with these guided rules is going to tell you what they see in you. And you're going to do the same back for them. And it was just an energy experiment that we started doing that got tremendous we got tremendous uh impact from it but then wow. 
to make it bigger and to manage it is how do you do that? So that that's kind of the next step. So I've been trying to think of a way how to do that, you know, in a Zoom environment. And I've been kind of playing with some ideas around that. But it's, it's a really wonderful meditative uh, energy exercise. Wow. And that can be so powerful, too, assuming that it's a safe space, which it sounds like you really create. And that's just lovely. I mean, that's amazing. You know, I find um, as a psychotherapist, I find that uh, there's such a difference in the individual counseling work I do versus the group workshops that I offer mm-hmm. and uh, the collective energy and, and the sharing. And uh, it, it's just really kind of a special thing. And you know, I think that it's important to create a space in the beginning of the workshop where people do feel safe and explorative. And then it it's so much more impactful what it is. they can experience than than just an individual work. Well, right. The paradox of we're, you know, we're alone, but we're all con- connected. And mm-hmm. so in, in it, when you're saying exactly right, it has to be a safe space because it it. it when we were doing it, we had to, it had to be somebody either we knew or knew it was, it was a referral. You can't just mm-hmm. open it up on Craigslist and say, come on over. You, right. have, to, you have to cast it a little bit in a way. So it yes. is safe. So actually in this zoom environment, it actually makes it a little easier because you can set up a meetup or environment or something like that and say, we're going to pre-screen everybody before they come in. They have to be approved. So it takes right. a little longer, but I like that. yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, if you are open to, to leading a, you know, three or five minute meditation, I would love to have you do that. And I'm sure some of the listeners are driving, so they may want to, to pause it here and, uh, and pick it up when they're in a <laughs> safer space. Um, but for those that are listening as they're going about, you know, their general day at their house or wherever, this might be a great time. Okay. Um, so I'll let you have the floor. Okay. Now I'm going to teach, uh, a, a, I like to say that intuition is the new mindfulness. So my intention in this meditation is to offer some clarity. And I will be giving some, some instructions as we do this, but there's going to be from the, from the beginning, once I get going, is I'm going to go further and further out with some moments of silence. So <clears throat> if you're at home, Yes, if you're in your car, please don't do this. Wait till <laughs> later, pull over. But if you're at home or even if you're at your office listening, you can do this because you can keep your eyes open. I just want you to really feel into your body for a moment. Move your head around, you know, move your shoulders around. Just stretch a little bit. <sighs> Take a deep breath in and out. And I want you to think about your arms at your side. You know, if you've got an armrest or I want you to let your body get as heavy as it possibly can get. And I want you to just relax your jaw, relax your belly. You don't have to think of anything. I'm going to do all the guidance for you. So all you have to do is just respond if that feels right to you. So feet on the ground. If you're lying down, that's perfectly fine. And you don't have to do anything special with your hands. I just want you to leave them on your thighs. That's probably a good place. If you want to put them in the prayer position, you can do that. But but it's really, really comfortable just to let them hang or put them on your legs, whatever feels natural to, to you. And we're going to start by taking some deep breaths in and out. And I like to go 
in through the nose and out through the mouth. Let's do that a few times. In through the nose and out through the mouth. And it doesn't have to be a big pranayama breath, just a real natural in through the nose and out through the mouth. In through the nose and out through the mouth. In through the nose and out through the mouth. And I like to tell my new students that you can think of something, a word. I like one because it comes close to that special word, that special sound, um. People don't always understand what um is, but we all know what one is. It has that circular, infinite type of feel to it. So for about 30 seconds, let's just breathe in silence. And if you can, when you go in and out, one, one, one. Stay in this space, check in with your body. Think about your arms and your hands and your feet. Does it feel any tingling sensation? Try and identify a part in your body that feels like it's vibrating in a way that feels so relaxing and peaceful and wonderful. Where's that coming from? coming from you. And if you find that place in your body, if you don't find it, think about your hands. Move your hands around your legs. Feel that connection to your skin, to the fabric. And then stop and feel the energy. And keep breathing. And if you feel things in your hand, think about your feet now. How are your feet feeling? How do they feel on the ground?
I'm feeling energy all through my body, coming down from the top of my head all the way down to my feet. It was wonderful. Bring your attention back up your legs, into your hands, through your arms, your chest and torso, all the way up to your head, your eyes, your third eye. Breathing all the time. And when you're ready, just stay still, close your eyes. Open your eyes. If your eyes are already open, move your neck around a little bit. Just take a deep stretch, yawn if you need to. You've just had a little five-minute meditation nap. Good job. That was so good. Thank you. Oh, I feel like energized. <laughs> I did too. Ready to go about my day. I liked uh I liked the the one I actually started kind of um you know, focusing on the third eye chakra a little bit and seeing kind of a circular motion. That was really cool. I liked it. Yeah, it's the things that the mantras and the things that seem so unattainable to a beginner there's ways that we can reframe them by colors, chakras, colors, numerology, num numbers, you know. So awesome. So yeah. true. Ah, I loved it. Well, thank you so much, Quinn, for coming on today and sharing some of your incredible gifts for the world. We really appreciate having you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for giving me this time. Oh, thanks again. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.